I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey listeners, welcome back to the Explore and You podcast. This episode is all about money and of course travel. I know that money can be a bit of a taboo subject, but the more financially literate I've become, the more I've realized that we should all be comfortable talking about money. It's something that we all need. It's a big part of our lives and It's hard to learn about something if you never talk about it. So if you're listening right now, I know you love travel. And those trips, well, they cost money. Now, I believe you can travel on any budget, but no matter how much you plan on spending, you still have to actually budget for these trips. It's something that I think many of us struggle with, especially when we have other financial priorities and goals. That's why I wanted to do a show about this really important topic and talked with my friend, T. Guiley. She has a degree in finance and has worked in the banking industry for almost eight years. She's the child of Vietnamese refugees, and she was actually the first in her family to graduate from college. And she managed to pay off $65,000 of student debt in two and a half years. That's impressive. T., also loves helping people with their money goals and volunteers with a nonprofit to help increase financial literacy in low-income, marginalized communities. She also loves to travel, and she's been able to budget for trips that are really in alignment with her values. So on this show, we talk about what it means to be financially healthy, setting priorities, and spending towards our values, and the number one habit that I think you should develop to save for your dream trip. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I know you're going to get so many great tips for budgeting and really becoming financially healthy. Thanks for listening. Hi, T. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for having me. When I started thinking about who I wanted to talk to on this podcast, I immediately thought of you because not only are you great with finances and you're like one of the most organized people I've ever met, you're also someone who really genuinely likes to help people. So I thought that you, if anyone can make budgeting feel like approachable and seem achievable, I thought that would be you. So can you tell me a little bit about your background in finance? I got into finance because my uncle told me to open a Roth IRA when I was 18 years old. He said like, hey, do you have this account? And I'm like, what is that? Why should I care? Why should I invest right now? I don't make any money. Like I make, you know, minimum wage. Why, why do I need to do this? And so he kind of explained to me what compound interest was. And so that was just so fascinating. Um, to learn about how time is just so important and so powerful in building wealth. And so that's kind of how I got started in uh, finance. Nice. That's a good uncle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I owe owe him big. Yeah. (laughs) 
I graduated from Santa Clara with a finance degree. And right after graduating, I was very fortunate to join Wells Fargo's credit training program, where I spent about five years there working with middle market companies in the Bay Area. Now I'm at Silicon Valley Bank, where I work with early stage tech companies. And, you know, I've been in the finance role for a total of almost eight years now. And it's been really fun. And now it's, you know, the world I work in. So what does it mean to be financially healthy? And what habits can people develop to achieve financial health? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So when I think about being financially healthy, I think it can mean many different things. It can look like different things for different people, right? But I think of it as like, you know, your ability, one's ability to kind of pay for the lifestyle that you want and what is important to you without incurring like additional unnecessary high interest rate debt. Got it. And also being able to cover expenses that, you know, can be unforeseen, like, you know, emergencies or even like big travel plans, right? Being able to cover that as well. So when I think about financially healthy, it's just making sure that you kind of feel secure based on financial plans that you have set in place, whether that's goals, a nest egg, spending habits. Um, just making sure that, you know, it's supportive of the lifestyle that you want. Are there habits that you've developed that, that help you set priorities and goals? I like talking about me. I think that's also like really important for um, anyone to establish financial health is being comfortable talking about it. So one of the best practices that I do is talking about it with my husband about like our budgets our values, what we want to spend on, what we want to save on, um, and making sure that it's aligned with like what we prioritize and what we value. So I create a budget on Excel based on our earnings. I try maxing out as much as possible to pay ourselves, invest in ourselves. And then, you know, I go into the different categories of spending, making sure that we have Going into the three different categories of spending, looking at what your fixed expenses are, which are like, okay, what do you need to survive? So that's like rent, mortgage, insurance, food, the basic expenses. And then going into the next two categories, um, those are kind of what I think are helpful to create a budget that works for you. So the next tier of expenses I think of are expenses that if you lost your job tomorrow, Like, what would you not be comfortable with taking out? So for me personally, I really prioritize my health and swimming. So I'm going to put that in the second tier of expenses where I'm not willing to cut it out. I'm going to make it work. And then the third tier are expenses that are maybe not as important to me. And I'm okay with cutting that out if I needed to. So I'm not a huge shopper. So that's probably in the third tier of expenses. So kind of how I think about budgeting and making a budget that works for you so that you can focus on paying yourself the most and then spending on areas that are important to you and not getting distracted by, you know, what society tells you should make you happy, right? Right. Really having that internal conversation with you and, you know, your partner about 
what your goals are, whether that's retiring early, saving for kids' college tuition, saving for a home, or just being able to travel. Yeah, I think that's such a great place to start is talking about money. It sounds simple, but I think a lot of people don't grow up talking about money. I don't think I really did. Just getting on the same page and setting those priorities is really important. And you, you don't always know that until you have that uh, discussion like with yourself and with your partner to make sure like things that you are spending your money on are in alignment with your goals. So I think that's a great place to start. You talked about like prioritizing, like how do you prioritize? Like how do you, do you is it just knowing yourself? well enough, knowing your values, what do you need to, to get to the place where you really understand what's important to you and set your values around finances? Yeah. I think, I think when it comes to prioritizing what's important to you, I think it's like, you have to have that conversation with yourself once in a while and being really honest and not getting distracted. What society tells you is important or what would make you happy. I think that's how you prioritize what's important to you. How do you feel like you've been able to do that? Because I know there's a lot of noise. I consider it noise around um, status and how much money you make. How do you stay true to those values and those priorities? I think you do it very well. This might sound a little cheesy, but understanding your love language, I think is a great place to start. So my husband and I, our love language is like experience. We're not huge gifters. We don't give each other gifts. We, the way we treat each other for a, an anniversary or birthday is like we put together an experience, whether that's like wine and cheese pairing class, or if it's like a quick vacation, uh, beach camping. Um, that's how we've prioritized our budget and thought about what's important to us like for Mm -hmm. me the experience of swimming and surfing like that's important so that's probably going to fall into the second tier of expenses for us Mm -hmm. but yeah I think starting with your love language and what's what makes you feel happy and appreciated and I think you can think about from there what is important to you right what are those things that light you up that make you feel that sense yeah. of joy. Totally. Some people are huge. Love language is gifts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they appreciate gifts. So, um, you know, maybe they will prioritize shopping a little bit more in terms of their budget or, um, you know, when they're traveling. So I think it just kind of, I think having an honest conversation with yourself without the of social media or what the world tells you is going to, yeah, I think that's how I've done it. I've had it, a lot of these conversations with myself, so that's kind of probably why I'm pretty good at it by now. <laughs> yeah, you're very introspective, which is one of the things I like about you. Um, and, you know, it sounds like you guys did the work too, because like you asked yourselves the questions. I mean, the love language thing. I mean, that's actually a learning what your love language is. Yeah. It's like a theory, but you sought that out, right? Like you looked for that to, to give more of a context around, you know, what 
does make me happy. So it's like, it's doing that first step of Mm -hmm. being curious about it and following up and learning more, um, I think is important. Sounds like you have three tiers of setting the level of importance of how you spend your money. Yeah. And then are a lot of your expenses, for example, paying yourself first and then maybe some other bills, are they automated? Like find that that's helpful? Yes. So we do automate our savings. We have everything on autopilot. And then we also check in once in a while. I probably check in with my husband every few months to be like, hey, is this budget that we set in place, like, you know, this automated savings investing, is that working for us? Or are we having to take out of our savings account, right? Or are we tracking to what we want to achieve? Like, do we have enough money so that we can have like money for emergencies? Or if we wanted to travel, we can. So just checking in once in a while is really important. I think super helpful just to make sure that, you know, everyone's kind of on the same page. So I think automating um, your investing is important. Having constant conversation with yourself and your partner, these life changes. And so it's always good to get like a good pulse on how everyone's feeling, how you're feeling about money. And then I also personally track our net worth. There's so many apps that help you do that. Um, Betterment, Wealthfront, mint.com they have a platform for you to track that but I'm a little bit old school and I do it all in excel so but for me that's like a personal joy putting that together so um but that's something that we also do so you track your net worth so you know what your assets are and what your debt is if any yeah so the net worth definition is um, just assets minus liabilities. Okay. So any liabilities would be inclusive of the mortgage, car loans, credit cards, student loans. And then on the asset side, it is, so your house, retirement accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts, health savings accounts, that's on the asset side. So when you track the difference, you get to your net worth. And it's just nice to see how that progresses over time, how that grows over time. I think people fresh out of school or even like in their 30s are oftentimes negative, which is totally fine because we have perhaps. Sure. Um, and we just maybe started investing and we maybe don't have a house. But over time, tracking, setting goals for yourself over time um, is just helpful just to make sure that you are being financially healthy and you're tracking your growth over time. Yeah. And I actually really like that because it gives an overview of your financial health. Like that gives you that bigger picture, which is good to know. And I also think it's a different perspective to being Mm. financially healthy Because oftentimes people think of, oh, I just need to make a lot of money and I'm financially healthy. But if you make a lot of money, but you're not paying yourself as much, you know, or you're taking on more debt than you need to, then if you're not managing that money, yeah, not managing it well, then I think it'll get the net worth calculation, that exercise will kind of show you. Um, maybe areas that you can be improving on. So I think you don't have to make a lot of money to have a great net worth, right? So I think it provides a different perspective instead of just looking at how much you earn. Right. So once you have healthy financial habits in place, how do you budget for something like 
a big trip? And then how do you make sure that that trip looks like something that aligns with what you really want out of the trip? Yeah. So that's a great question. Your traveling will look different over your lifetime. So sometimes it's just like making sure that it's okay that maybe you're fresh out of school or you know, you're not as financially secure right now to maybe plan something that's a little bit more on the affordable side, knowing that over time with your financial discipline, you will be able to like pay for something that maybe is a little bit more extravagant if you wanted to. So I was just straight out of school, had, you know, student debt. I couldn't plan for a very extravagant vacation. So I kind of thought about like, okay, what do I want to achieve out of my vacation? What's important to me? And so for me personally, um, it's having that experience, being outside, um, having good food. Areas that are not as important to me that I don't appreciate as much are probably like hospitality, stay at the five-star resort to be happy. Um, And I, you know, don't need to be doing a lot of shopping to be happy. So when you kind of bifurcate what's important to you versus what's not as important to you, you can kind of build a trip around that that accomplishes what you want out of that trip. When I was uh, fresh out of school, what checked off the boxes that made me happy was like camping. So I was outside, I cooked good food, learned something nature, Uh, being outside beaches, hiking, that was a great vacation for me. And then as I got older, you know, my values still haven't changed. I still love to eat good food. I love experience, love meeting new people. I've been able to enjoy different experiences. So like when we went to Japan a couple years ago, we were able to go out and eat more, but we were still thoughtful about Mm -hmm. to do that. And then we kind of compromise on other areas of travel. So we didn't pay for first class tickets or five-star resorts because that didn't provide us as much happiness as the experience part for me, which is like eating, learning about uh, the country's cuisine, um, meeting new people, being outside. So I think what your trips are going to look like will change over your lifetime, but just focusing on what brings you the most happiness and what is important for you will help you kind of put together a trip that you know, you're going to enjoy, but also works within your budget. You talked about how the way you travel is going to evolve over time, which I think is definitely true, you know, as we make more money and just evolve as humans. But you talked about when you first start out, you might be more budget conscious when you travel. And so do you have some tips for how you can incorporate some of those high-end wants into your trip, but you're still kind of in that budget space financially? One way you can do that is obviously if you're paying yourself and you, you know, have this nest egg to like put together this extravagant trip, obviously dip into it because you saved for it and you can totally, you know, splurge for what you want. There are a lot of resources on, obviously, the internet around how to get the same experience without spending as much. So for an instance, we learned that Michelin star dining in Japan, if you want to have that experience, we found that dinner usually costs a lot more than the lunch. 
and the lunch experience is just the same. It's not very different. So we did a Michelin starred sushi lunch instead of the dinner. And I think that saved us like at least $200, but we still got the experience and the group great food. So I think there's a lot of like resources that are available to look for these tips. We also relied heavily on travel bloggers and YouTube gurus Mm -hmm. for like tips and advice on how to get the best experience or deal um, when you're traveling. I think another tip that I learned was in Italy, the museums are free on this particular day of the month. So there are some things that you can find um, on the internet or from just talking to people about, you know, certain deals that you can get without um, spending as much money. And the Michelin star one, I mean, that's a great tip because those meals can get pricey and lunch is just as good as dinner, in my opinion. So you still get the delicious food and the experience. And the great experience. Totally. Going back to talking about your the budget that you set, how do you stick to that budget? I know you're very like determined and disciplined, but not everyone is as disciplined, I guess. How do you think that you're achieving sticking to your budget? So I talk about budgeting all the time with uh, people and people have different ways of doing it. I know people are actually more rigid and than I am. Uh, Sometimes they like, they check their mint every day to make sure that they're staying within their budget, right? Kudos to them, because I don't think I can do that every day. Um, But that works for them. For me, the way I stay within my budget is by paying myself first. So by having my paycheck go directly into my investments, my retirements, my savings directly, first and then having the rest go into my checking account, that's forcing me to kind of live within the checking account parameter. Got it. Yeah. Yep. And so how I, how I decide to spend that money, well, that goes back into the categories, right? Of, um, you know, fixed expenses are for survival, um, second tier of expenses being like personally really important expenses to me. And then the remainder is discretionary. So I try to live within my means that way by, by having my savings all automated and the checking account is how I live. It's helping by only using those funds to pay for the expenses. That's how I make sure that I'm still working towards my goals, but then, you know, um, have the flexibility to spend on, other areas of life. And not chart using a credit card or not using lines of credit for things, just sticking to what that checking account balance is. Yeah. Like you know, that is my living. Those are my living expenses. Totally. Yep. I think that is really the key is by automating it and paying yourself first, you know, towards retirement savings, you're really taking it out of your hands in a Mm -hmm. sense, right? So you're not making that choice every time you get paid. Oh, I I could be buying this thing or I could put it in savings. Like that's a hard choice for most of us to make because the thing that's right in front of us is the immediate gratification thing, right? Yep. And I think that really kind of is the key in my mind is just making it 
a thing that happens in the background. Yeah, I don't need to think about it. So that's why for me, it, it works. It's easy because it takes that question out. Um, and yeah, and it's been really helpful, but um, I think that's how it's been able to work for us. And then I think another tip too is like every time you have like a windfall or yes, let's talk about that. Maybe a tax fund or if, or if you have like a raise, even if it's like a marginal raise, go back to your you know automated savings, increase it according to you know that um, incremental income, and so then that kind of forces you to like your means too and you'd be surprised how that incremental increase over time just compounds on each other. And soon enough, you'd be saving a pretty good chunk of your income. Yeah. And that idea about that money, you know, compounds over time, like the time part is your best asset, right? If you start early enough. Yeah. And I also think it helps keep the lifestyle creep in check. Yes. And Leah, like you're saying, revisiting, like when you get the raise, revisiting and adjusting for that. Can you walk us through a trip that you took and, um, you know, how you planned for it financially? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go back to Japan just because I loved that trip. So we went in 2018 and, um, we just thought about like, okay, how can we pay have this trip paid for um, using other means versus like you know our cash? Um, so my husband and I signed up for a credit card that had sign up bonuses, and he signed up first and then referred me. So then he got the referral bonus. On top of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we pulled those um, points together to pay for our hotels. And then we also looked at our main credit card and saw that, okay, there was a good sizable cash rewards balance and apply that towards our plane tickets. And then in terms of like experiences and food, we researched heavily on what we wanted to do, how much that would cost. And since we're big fees, we reviewed, we looked at reviews and we looked at videos of like the best restaurants to go to that were not as, you know, expensive. We looked into outdoor experiences that are generally much cheaper and you know added that to our list of things to do so um, I think just pulling together as much credit card rewards programs as much as possible to kind of take out maybe the key the big big ticket items like plane tickets or hotels is probably the most helpful when you're kind of budgeting for a trip Um, and then just kind of you know reading about a country and how much things generally cost so that when you get there, you're not like surprised by the sticker price. Right. Because Japan is one on more of the expensive side in terms of countries to visit. Yeah, I I think so. And so, um, you know, we learned that their hole in the walls are generally um, 
not as expensive as maybe one of their higher end fine dining restaurants. So um, you still get that authentic Japanese food and experience without, you know, having to pay for it as, as, or without having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Just researching, looking at how much things cost, how much transportation costs. Maybe you can use public transportation because it's, you know, easily available and accessible. I think that saves you a lot of money. Obviously, trying to plan your trip where you're, you can walk everywhere um, probably saves a lot of money in terms of uh, for your, your transportation. And then it balances all the eating. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. And I think in terms of research, something to think about too is, is like, you know, what areas are more touristy because those areas tend to like the restaurants tend to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you eat like just outside of those areas and maybe get the same meal, but just cheaper because it's not on like this main popular street. Um, things like yeah. that. Yeah. But researching is definitely helpful. Okay. Final question. And this is a question I ask all my guests. What was your most meaningful travel experience? Yeah. Um, I think the most meaningful travel experience I've had was when we were in Italy my uh, husband proposed to me on that trip. We were, you know, in this in Florence, and uh, true to kind of our love language, we wanted to celebrate with like a, a dinner, and we just kind of went to this little restaurant, and we had the restaurant to ourselves, and we had a wonderful um, pasta and uh, red wine, and it was great. It was intimate. And for me, it was, um, you know, a lot of emotions, um, but it was just also like combining an experience where I was with this person I loved and having like the best food ever, like the most memorable pasta I've ever had. And I cannot find it anywhere in the United States. So to this day, I still think about that dish and how that night I got engaged. Nice. And I love how food is so incorporated into your story <laughs> because that's just you guys. <laughs> that's, we just love eating. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, that is a very romantic place to propose. Kudos to Keelan. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Yeah. And to think that I never got ahead of that and like found out that he did. I know. Miss Planner. <laughs> You did a good job. That's a very sweet story. Thanks for listening to the Explore a New podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.